Amen. Isn't the Lord good to us? Aren't you glad to be in his house tonight? Amen. No better place to be on a Wednesday afternoon than in the house of the Lord. You believe that? I know you do because you're here tonight. And I believe the Lord's going to do something special. Such a powerful spirit that's moving right now in this church. And if you are praying and you are seeking the Lord, I know that you can feel what God is doing around here. And um, I, I want to say, um, I'm going, when, when Pastor called me and asked me to take this class tonight, um, I, I was still feasting heavily off of what the last two services have brought to us. And uh, I know we say a lot of things sometimes to be kind and to be nice, but if you missed last Wednesday night, you need to go listen. Amen. If you have ever had a question about what you believe and the doctrine and what we stand for and what we live by and what we must do, then you need to hear last Wednesday night. Amen. Because it was absolutely fabulous, the foundation no doctrine, what we believe, what we live for, was preached so incredibly. And then the Lord brought the evangelist through. And on Sunday, the evangelist just picked right up from where the pastor had left off on Wednesday night. And we saw the demonstration of God's Spirit as He began to fill people around these altars on Sunday morning. I have probably taken the entire book of Acts and taught it uh, chapter by chapter, almost verse by verse, several times throughout my ministry. I've been blessed uh, to have been able to have done that. And um, going from last week and then what happened on Sunday, I've always categorized the book of Acts by, by four C words. Commitment catching, continuing, and credibility. There were over 500 people at Bethany that heard Jesus say, go to the upper room and tarry till you be endued with power. But there were about 120 that actually made it. This thing doesn't happen for everybody. It happens for those that commit to his work. And once they got there, the Holy Ghost fell, we know. They caught what he had promised, and then they had to continue. And that's what I'm going to talk to us about tonight is continuing. I brought enough notes because I'm always worried about the time. It's going to still be going when I get finished. So I brought enough notes to get to credibility. But if we don't get there, it's all right. We'll have another chance, another day. But I wanted to be prepared. Amen not to leave you hanging. So uh, tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start uh, right behind Acts 2.38. So powerfully, we heard that preached, that formula preached this weekend. But right behind that, verse 39 says, For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. There are two things of great significance in this verse. Number one, the first thing is it identifies the promise. It takes what they have just witnessed 
And it makes it more than just a simple observation. And this is what many of the religious crowd miss. They don't understand. So what is the promise being referred to here? What promise? It is the promise. The promise that if you repent of your sins and you are baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of those sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What is a promise? Glad you asked. Promise is defined as a declaration or an assurance that one will do a particular thing. Or that a particular thing will happen. Another definition said it this way. To give good grounds for expecting. We have a God today that offers us a promise. And it's a declaration and it's an assurance today that God will do what He said He would do. That promise gives you good grounds that when you come into His presence and you come into His house, you can expect there to be a God there to meet you in that time of need. And there's much contention in the religious world today of whether or not the Holy Ghost is for us or not. And it was that way in the Bible days. It was that day among, it was that way among the apostles. God was making sure, though, that Peter's message didn't die with the hearers of that day, but that it would be a message for the ages. Because the Holy Ghost was not just for those that were present, but it was for their children, their friends, their neighbors, even those that were miles away and had no idea what was happening just yet. The promise of this new salvation plan was encouraging, yet it was also challenging. How so, you say? The fact that it was to keep going for generations meant that each hearer then had a responsibility. You have now received the promise and its future existence depends on you. In other words, he was saying if you don't move forward with this, its future ends here. It stops right here. But if you take the message and you share the message, if you proclaim that there is a need for repentance and baptism in His name, then the Holy Ghost is going to fall on those that hear what you have to say just as it did when they began to declare. See, when you tell your house and tell someone else, after you tell them, tell someone else, it's the ripple off of the big splash. See, Acts 2, 1 through 4 was the splash. It was the proverbial rock, if you will, that was thrown into the water. Understand tonight, the Holy Ghost fell with such force and fervency. It made such a huge splash when it arrived, and that is great. But you got to understand tonight, it's going to be sustained, or it's going to continue through the ripple. There was one outpouring, and when it hit, it made such a splash that the ripples began to take off, and that's where we are tonight. Friends, we're riding a wave tonight 
It didn't start with a denomination. It didn't start with an organization. It wasn't cooked up in the head of some preacher. But this way began at Pentecost, and it's still surging tonight. It's still flowing tonight. They're going to meet in Tioga. There's going to be people filled with the Holy Ghost. They're going to meet all over the world tonight in services just like this, and people are still going to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost because it was a promise that wasn't meant for a moment but it was a movement that was meant for eternity viruses can't stop the Holy Ghost pandemics can't stop the Holy Ghost governors are beginning to understand they can't stop the Holy Ghost hell can't stop the Holy Ghost because it is a promise and the one who gave the promise is a man who cannot lie and when he said I'll pour it out he meant what he said you can rest assured tonight if you want this gift it is available to you I don't care today who doesn't like it I don't care if it's spooky to some or old fashioned or weird they can have their performances and their shows all they want. But I want the promise. Amen. They can come up with things to try to move people through their emotion. But I want something that goes beyond my emotion. I want something that touches me in the depth of my soul, in the depth of my spirit, and lets me know there is a God that doesn't want to leave me the way I came in or the way that he found me, but he wants to equip me with power that I can make it. I want the promise tonight. Amen. Amen. The next item of significance is that this verse has Specific target. Number one target is you. Remember, he's preaching to sinners here. Those that have seen this. He's preaching to sinners. They haven't experienced it yet. Now, they've seen it. They've heard about it. They've witnessed it. But Peter has to let them know it is for you. Amen. This seems so simple, but there's a, a, a great majority in the world today who do not believe that the Holy Ghost is for them. Amen. The next time you encounter someone or if you're here with us tonight and you're unsure about the Holy Ghost, no worries. You're in great company. These first observers wondered too. But the man with the keys, Pastor, amen, said, it is is for you. You got to take care of yourself first. Anybody ever flown on an airplane? Y'all know what that lady says when she starts telling you about the mask that's going to drop out? He said, put yours on first. You know why? Because if you faint fumbling trying to get it on your neighbor and yours is not on, y'all both go. You got to get it on your face first. I know you want to help them. I know they need it. I know they're bumbling over there. And, but you got to get it on yourself first. Amen? So it's for you. Next target, your children. Thank you for what you said, Pastor. Please hear me tonight. Outside of yourself, your number one obligation is your children. 
And I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost tonight, we better get back to teaching our children. We better not leave it to chance that they hear it at Sunday school. We better not leave it to chance that they go to youth camp and find it. We better not leave it to chance that the evangelist comes in and preaches it. But we better make sure at home they hear the promise from us. Because if you have the Holy Ghost tonight, you have a responsibility to your children. You are their teacher. You are their instructor. You are their priest and you are their church. I know this is old-fashioned tonight, but I promise you it'll save you some heartache and some misery down the road if you'll get it in your spirit and you'll make up in your mind and do your best to save your house. Amen. I'll move on, but come on, daddies and mamas. It's up to you to make sure that the promise continues in your family. And the final target is all that are afar off. Now, let me clarify something tonight because sometimes we just take that to mean those that are way, way off from us. But that is in proximity, yes, distance. But it's also for those that are in false doctrine. Those that are afar off in what they believe. Who fits this description? Jesus simplified it. Mark 8, 34. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself take up his cross, and follow me. The call was for whosoever will. We don't get to filter candidates, right? We don't get to judge motives tonight. We don't get to pick and choose who to share the gospel with. We just have a responsibility that whosoever will. The promise has no limitations. It has no exclusions. It is simply a preceding word searching for We're talking about continuing tonight. The next verse helps us understand the process of promoting the promise. Watch Peter, verse 40. And with many other words, he did testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Would you tell your neighbor he knew some more stuff? <laughs> he knew something else. We got to learn how to relate to people. <laughs> he built a connection with them. He related to them. He interacted with them. You know that there's more to witnessing than just quoting scriptures. <laughs> I'm going to pause right there and let that just marinate for a second. There's more to witnessing than just quoting scripture. You need some other work. Now, now I know, I know some of you, you, all you do is fast, pray, and come to church. Ravens drop your food off at your door. You don't even leave. You don't even go out of the sanctuary of your home. You are spiritual. You are plugged in, and you are tuned in. But you need to know some stuff. Amen. You, you can talk to someone about things you have in common. I hope this is okay tonight. Amen. Learn a little bit about something. Learn about some football. Find out where the good deals are. Learn about some hunting or something, some fishing. If you don't do anything but read your Bible and stay at home and pray, at least learn the name of your home football team in your state. Everybody wants to know what's going on with them. My precious mother couldn't tell you one person on the Saints roster. 
Every football season on Sunday, she calls me and says, Saints win. Amen. He, he knew some other stuff. He was able to make a connection. He wasn't so weird and he wasn't so starchy that he couldn't break through to them. All right. Because the Scripture's giving you a pattern for witnessing here. Other words, small talk, conversation. Learn how to relate to somebody. Then testify. Tell them what the Lord has done for you. Amen. We used to have old-fashioned testimony services in the church I grew up in. Everybody got to stand up every service and tell what the Lord had done. And some of them was making stuff up, and some of them told the same thing every Sunday. But you knew where they stood. Amen. And then you exhort, or you attempt to convince them to follow Christ. You start up a conversation. You let them know what the Lord has done, and then you admonish them. Hey, good to see you today. Those look like some comfortable shoes. Uh, where'd you get those? Yeah, that's awesome. Man, my feet bother me all the time, but guess what? In church the other day, the Lord reached down and touched me, and I don't have any pain. You ought to come see me, see him sometime. You ought to come with me sometime, and let's worship the Lord together. Come on. It's not all about quoting a bunch of scriptures all the time. Why are you saying this? Because you'll never have verse 41 until you learn how to have verse 40. Verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, this is going to sound like I messed up, but I didn't. Tell your neighbor, some didn't gladly receive the word. See, the Bible only records the number of those that gladly received the word. Now, you got to know something about God. He, he isn't like most modern-day Pentecostals. <laughs> I'm going to be nice. When he counts and when he tells a story, he tells it straight and he tells it true. Amen? Because if you know anything about the Bible, you know that whenever there's 100% participation, it really likes to use the word all. In fact, the Bible uses the word all 5,621 times. 5,621 times. Your Bible has the word all in it. It likes it. So for it not to use the word all here, but instead say they that, leads me to believe that there were some they's that didn't. Now the Bible's not trying to be misleading, but the fact that it doesn't tell how many didn't is a lesson for us. See, if you're going to be effective and you're going to continue, you've got to stop focusing on the negatives. You've got to stop focusing on those that don't like to hear what you have to say. Because not everyone is going to want to hear it. And not everyone that you witness to is going to run to the altar. You're going to have rejections. You're going to have those that want to argue. But you can't get sidetracked from the mission. Just present the gospel and let God do the rest. 
The disciples did it. How do I know? Because they got to verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. They continued. They continued. You know what's wrong with my generation? We don't know how to continue. We get sidetracked by every little thing that comes along. We lose motivation when we encounter obstacles. We get weary in well-doing. We want results. We want them now. And as long as we can see them, all is well. Am I in the house tonight? But what happens when trouble pops up? When distractions arise? When things aren't moving like you think they're supposed to? The apostles continued. And God has been working me over on this lately because I know I got the same flesh suit on you got to. I live in the same world you live in. And it's easy to get distracted in our world today. It's easy to be overcome with life and all of the negative and the agenda of the age, the rat race, the grind, the climb, whatever you want to call it. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves down. And when we get down, we start to get critical. And when we get critical, we often get grumpy. And when we get grumpy, Everything offends us. And if the enemy can get us to stop there, he hasn't. Stopped in a prison of our own offense. You know why we're here tonight? The apostles continued. They just simply kept going. When things were hard, they kept going. When things were ugly, they kept going. Through the prisons, through the beheadings, boiling pots of oil, beating stonings, through it all, they kept a firm grip on the promise. And they just continued. What am I trying to get to tonight? The word continue tonight will fit everyone here. By, def- by definition, continue means this. First, to maintain action without interruption. I look around tonight and I see folks in this house, and I know you've been around here a hundred years, and I hadn't had to be around here long enough to know that. Just my time in the church. You just know who's faithful. And you just know they've been that way a long time. It didn't wake up starting tonight. You've been steadfast as rocks. You've just been here. You've kept your fight. You've kept your zeal. You've maintained focus. And you have never lost it. But the word to you tonight is still continue. Maintain action without an interruption. He hadn't knocked you off course yet. He hasn't thrown you in that prison of offense just yet. So to you tonight, the word from the Lord is simply continue. Another definition you'll find of the word continue means this. 
to resume action or activity after an interruption. See, I'm not so naive to know that we've come together tonight and there haven't been some of us that haven't faced a setback. That's fair enough. You got weary. Set some things aside. Maybe you laid down some things. You lost your burden. You didn't see the point. So maybe you set some things on the side. The word to you tonight is continue. You just resume action or activity after an interruption. See, the thing you need to understand about God is he's not interested in punishing you for eternity. All it takes is one trip back. All it takes is one time in his presence to say, Lord, I messed it up. I dropped the ball. I made some mistakes. And he said, come here, I've been waiting for you to come home the whole time. That prodigal son went out. He wasted what the father sent him away with. But when he came to himself in that faraway country, there was a father standing waiting at the house, still ready for him to come back. He didn't make him less. He didn't make him anything but what he was when he left. He put the robe on him. He put the ring on him. He said, kill the fatted calf. My son has come home. He decided in the pig pen, I'll go home and be a servant. But God said, you're not a servant. You're a son. And you're always going to be a son. Let me just say this, if you're still there and you haven't quite come to yourself yet, don't decide what you can be in the pig pen. Because you'll sell yourself short and you'll believe that there's nothing waiting for you. I'm telling you, get to the Father. See what He has to say. He still owns it all and whatever He decides is what it's going to be anyway. Amen. So many people make up their mind what they can be when they're still out in that pig pen. Get back to the Father. Just resume. Just pick up. You may have had an interruption. The enemy may have knocked your head off today. But I'm telling you, you're in the house of the Lord. And God said, if you'll continue, it's as simple as picking up and keeping on going. And finally, it means to remain in existence. I feel like this is the word to the church tonight. Not just this church, but God's church. I believe God is speaking to pastors and leaders all across this country, telling them, don't sell me out for new age philosophy. Don't sell me out for new religious ideals. But if you'll stay true to the pattern, if you'll stay true to my word, if you'll keep preaching this doctrine, if even if everyone else lets down, if you'll keep praying and you'll keep fasting and you'll keep believing and holding on to your faith, I'm still going to do the things that I promise. Word to us tonight is continue. You know how they continued or why they continued? Verse 43. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. They continued because a fear came over them. They understood the mission. They understood their responsibility and they knew what the Lord expected 
of them. And they were just plain scared to let him down. I think this generation has lost its fear. I wondered if we really believe that God is going to judge us on our inaction. Do we really fear the wrath of God for not fulfilling his commission? Could it be tonight that we see no signs and wonders because we have become too comfortable? Where is the fear of God? Where is the urgency? Where is the passion? A few weeks ago, I was in a restaurant, and there was a gentleman there, and he and the person he was with were having a conversation about church, and I just happened to overhear it, and the gentleman that was speaking, he was probably somewhere around 70. He was an elder, and he was making this statement, and this was what he said. I jotted down the notes. He said, my dad was a foot washer. He was a holy roller, but I didn't want that. He said, I had a, and he named a particular denomination, and I don't do that from the pulpit. He said he had a particular denomination cabinet. That's where he kept his drink, his liquor. And he told that person that was listening to him, he said, now I've got to go to the old people service. Because it's gotten so bad, I can't stand to go to any of the others. And he said, but you know, it's okay. He said, because, and this was the statement, every generation lets go of something. What was he saying? He was saying to that person he was talking to, my needs and my wants and what I like came before my fear of the Lord. What I wanted to hear and what I wanted to do came before my search for truth. Come on, somebody. I can have what I want and use the excuse that God will understand. You know, every generation gives up something. I'll just do it my way. Watch the apostles, 44 through 47, and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. They kept together. See, you ought to thank God for the church. Come on, somebody. The enemy's tried to steal this place from us over the last year. The enemy's tried to steal our gathering. He's tried to steal our assembling because he knows there's power when we're all together. You know, we give Peter a lot of credit, and he deserves such. He had the revelation of who Jesus was, and that revelation earned him the keys. But when Peter stood up and preached that message, he stood up with the eleven. He wasn't by himself. 
Nowhere do you find that anybody got up and corrected him and said, no, no, Peter, that wasn't what he said. But when Peter preached the word, they just stood up beside him and said, that's right. Amen. We've got to be together. And they loved each other and they continued and they committed to the cause. And the result was they had favor with all the people. God kept on adding to the church. Not during just revivals. Not during just camp meeting or special meetings or, 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 or Holy Ghost crusades that were called. But daily. He added to the church. Because if we truly want to be a daily church, we've got to get back to the mission. We've got to continue in the doctrine. Thank God it's a stat. I'm thankful that I'm not attending a place where it's not made clear. This is what we believe. This is what we stand for. But we've got to continue in the doctrine. We've got to get back to a fear of God. We've got to get better together with one another. You know you need your brother. You need the person that's here. I could preach all night on that. Why? Because the first murder in the world was caused by divided brothers. They were brothers. They were not enemies. Divided brothers. The devil wants us divided because it will murder our purpose. The apostles recognized it and they knew it and they fought against it. That's why they went from house to house, fellowship. They stayed in constant contact, communicating with one another. They had no big eyes and little U's. Everyone was equal in significance and importance. And you know what the result was? Harvest. Because they had an understanding that this thing is his field. And we're just the laborers. This all belongs to God. And I'm just trying to work together with you to make sure he gets everything out of the investment that he made into this earth. Come on, when we fail in our mission, everything that the Lord went through is in vain. Because he's left that much on the church. Amen. When you move out of chapter 2, you move right into you seeing the apostles continue. You see that immediately following Pentecost, the movement started to pick up steam. They had followed Jesus for his entire earthly ministry. They had suffered the heartbreak of his crucifixion. They had their faith restored when they saw him resurrected. They obeyed his command to go and tarry, and they were rewarded with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And now it's becoming clearer to them than ever. He left, but this isn't over. His message must go forth. His witness must continue. His truth must be shared or all of this that has been done will be in vain. I wish we could somehow grasp the concept of the mission of Christ. And I know this has been slow tonight, just teaching. 
But I wish we could get a hold of his mission and somehow live with the sense of purpose that if we aren't fulfilling his call, all of what he did was in vain. That would somehow penetrate our human minds. How would we act in regard to our walk with God? Would we just piously sit on pews? Would we look down upon the sin sick? Would we be at ease in Zion? Or would we be consumed tonight with his passion? Because the question is credibility. Do we love him enough to go prove him to the world? And the whole rest of the book of Acts centers on this premise. This is it. A group of Holy Ghost-filled believers taking on the task to go prove Jesus to the rest of the world. Hear me tonight. We are nothing without credibility in what we say and preach. I'll say that again. We are nothing, nothing without credibility in what we say and preach. We open chapter 3, Peter and John encountering a lame man on their way to the temple. Three and one. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Now, before going further, let me point out something. We live in a generation that likes to forsake the assembling together. They do. They do. Some folks is hoping for that text to come, said the air conditioner went out. We canceling church tonight. I ain't lying. Amen. I was picking, picking at Trent today. He brought his mother's phone in to her. He had it, and he said, you got a text from 8141 or whatever that number is that sends these texts out. And I said, oh, they must have been texting to cancel church. Oh, no. He got so upset. I had to back up and say, bud, I'm just joking. I'm just kidding. He was fixing to be upset if something happened to kid life. You know what? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that my baby would rather be at the house of the Lord than home on a video game. Oh, come on, somebody. Because to be truly apostolic, we need the church. Hey, Amen. I, I, I got to thinking as, as Brother Ferris got started Sunday, I took so many notes over there. I was clipping on my phone and standing up, trying to stand on my head and help him preach. You know you ought to help the preacher preach. You ought to help the preacher preach. You ought to get up here and do this one time. You'll help him. You'll help him. He'll get better when you help him. Amen. He sure will. He sure will. And you'll get better. You know why the children of Israel didn't enter into the promise? The Word of God said because they didn't mix the Word with faith. When you stand up and you say amen, 
Hallelujah. That's mine. Yes. Preach it. You're mixing the word with faith. And it's going to take you out of where you're at and into the promise of God. That was free. I wasn't even here. I wasn't even planning on saying that tonight. <laughs> but pastor, you said this the other night. You got to go in before you can go out. And, and, and these folks understood they had to go in before they could go out. So they kept their time with the Lord. They made sure that before they went out, they had entered into the house of the Lord. And they worshiped and they prayed and they lifted each other up. When they head to the temple, they encountered this lame man. And he's well known to everyone. Everybody knows. He's been carried faithfully every day to his prominent begging position. Think about it. He's at the doors of the church. What a better place to be if you need help. He's never walked. He has crippled and deformed ankles and feet. He's there for his daily dose of what he can get. Maybe a little pity, maybe a little sympathy. He's human. He doesn't expect today to be any different than any other day. He's just hoping to beg enough from the religious folks to be able to buy himself a meal. That's what he's hoping for. His days are monotonous. They're routine. He does the same thing every day. He gets up. He awaits his friends. They carry him down to the temple. He begs. His friends carry him home. He eats what he's able to buy with what he collected that day. He sleeps and he wakes up to do it all again. It's his pattern. It's your coworker. It's the person you encounter every day. He is trapped in the rut of his life. He's the picture of countless millions out there tonight, caught up in the rat race called life. He knows about religion. He spends every day seeing it firsthand. He practically lives on the church's doorstep. He's watched as they walk by, many giving for a show, not out of real love or concern. Some do that. Too busy to take time to get to know him. They hustle into the temple. They get their praise on, their shout on. They fellowship for a few moments with others just like them. They leave. They walk by. He's still there. What happened? There's no credibility to what he's seeing. You know what the devil's done with religion today? He's stripped it of its power. He's robbed it of its demonstration. And because of that, there's no credibility to the church anymore. And that's why people would rather stay home and watch a ball game. Than come to the house of the Lord. But fresh off of a Holy Ghost explosion, two prayed up powerful men are about to give you a formula for restoring credibility. When they used the name of Jesus to heal this man, they immediately gained credibility. In other words, when they walked the walk, they attracted an audience when they talked. Because here's how we gain our credibility. Demonstration plus proclamation equals credibility. They demonstrated what Jesus could do they proclaimed his name among those that saw, and their message had credibility. I've got more notes tonight and continue, but it's time. Amen.
But I'm telling you tonight, God has got us in a very strategic place in this church. All of these things that have been happening are aligning. Amen. This is not the time to get weary. This is not the time to get sidetracked. I know the summer comes with vacations. I've got one planned, too. I'm going on one in a couple of weeks. But when you're here, you need to make it a point to be in the house of God. You need to be here and help us continue. You need to be here and help us push and get somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because this is a strategic season for this church, and I believe that God is wanting to do great and mighty things among us in the coming days. Amen. This is not just about uh, fired up kids from youth camp. This is about God has a strategic time. I told pastor, I woke up Sunday morning with such a burden. I almost texted him telling him, I don't know what God's got planned for today, but there's something special going to be in the house. And we walked in here and began to lift up the name of the Lord and began to sing songs about, I just want you, Lord. Nothing else. And when all of that other stuff fades away, we see what the Lord can do. I'm telling you, this is a good day to be a part of this church. This is a good day to be a part of his church. Amen. Do you love him tonight? Amen, amen, amen. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to ask the ushers to get ready to help us, but we're going to pray. Ask the Lord to help this words sink in. I hope this was okay tonight. Amen. I hope this helped someone tonight. I know it was a little bit slow. Amen. Sometimes we think we got to come in and run 100 miles an hour and scream all the time, but amen. Hopefully something in the Word of God was said tonight. It'll find a lodging place in your spirit. Drive you back to a closet of prayer. Drive you back to a place of consecration with the Lord so you don't miss what he's doing in this hour. If you don't feel it right now, you need to be praying. God, let me know what you're up to in this place. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. I thank you for each and every one that's come to worship with us tonight. I pray you bless them, Lord, tonight. I pray, God, that you take this word, Lord. I pray you take this personality that was in it. Strip it away, God, and make it raw and pure in every spirit today. God, let it resonate in our hearts. Let it find a resting place that we can draw closer to you. We want to give you all the glory. We want to give you all the praise for it all tonight. As we give tonight, we pray you bless, Lord, and multiply and extend. We give it unto you in Jesus' name. Give us unto the Lord. He'll bless.